Hannah came before God persistently, honestly. In anguish and despair, she laid it all before him. And when God heard her, she responded with gratitude, recognizing that he was near. God hears us. Well, a week ago, I made a huge mistake. For months, Rich Fino, who was just up here giving announcements, Rich has been asking me to go play racquetball with him at his gym. And here's, here's really what I thought. You, you, you see Rich. I, I, I was just like, I, I don't want to embarrass this guy. Like, I'm young. He's not quite as young. Like, I... And I used to play racquetball a ton, and so I just thought, this is not. But I finally, I finally said yes, and last week I met Rich at his gym. And the first thing I said was, Rich, I just have to let you know, I've not played racquetball in over 10 years. And you know what I was doing, right? Like I was setting myself up one way or another. If I beat him, he would know he was beaten by a guy that hasn't played racquetball in 10 years. But if he beat me, he would also know, well, he's just rusty, right? And so I am, I'm sad to admit that uh, Rich waxed the floor with me in racquetball <laughs> last week. And I was sore for about four days after. And uh, by the end of it, he was serving to me like you might serve to a child, which was super <laughs> embarrassing. I'm sure everyone out in the gym in LA Fitness was really laughing at us. It was great. You know, sometimes we think we know exactly what we're doing. Sometimes we think we have life under control. We have things figured out. We're competent and capable. And then we hit something in life, and it just throws us off. Like we bump up against the limitations of our own flesh and our humanity. We, we go through loss, and we grieve. We suffer. We, we have hard things and hard times in our lives. It's something we all go through, big and small. Over the last few weeks, we've been in this series where we're looking at texts in the Old Testament that, that show us how God acts towards his people and asking what does that mean for how he acts towards us today. And so we've talked about how God creates and God provides and God teaches and God rescues. But what happens when life gets hard? What happens when life isn't what we desire? Life isn't what we expect when things are looking bleak? Well, then we need a God who hears us. We need a God who hears us. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you are not familiar with the Bible, 1 Samuel is towards the front. It's in the Old Testament. It's a few books in, and we're in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. The text will be on the screen, and I'll be reading from a translation called the New Living Translation. We're going to look at a story about a woman named Hannah, but it starts in verse 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 1. It says, There was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zuf in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroam, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf of Ephraim. Got it? 
All of that is biographical information so that you understand, or the, the original readers understood, that Elkanah was of the tribe of Ephraim, one of the tribes of Israel. Verse 2, Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not. So let's pause right there. Often in their culture, the only people who had multiple marriages were essentially royalty for reasons of power. So if you find someone, a common person like Elkanah, who has multiple wives, it means that his first wife, or maybe even second wife, couldn't bear children, and so they remarry so that they have a wife who could provide a lineage for them, to provide sons and daughters. And so in this story, what we see is that Hannah was unable to bear children, and this was one of the worst things that could happen to a woman in the ancient world. It would have been a huge social embarrassment. It would have meant being alienated and separated from people, from the community that, they, that she was a part of. She would feel less than. And this is important because in the Old Testament, if you're a part of God's people, it means you're in relationship with God. But if, if you're alienated from God's people, it means that you feel alienated from God. So keep this in mind, and we'll come back to this later in the text. But for Hannah, her infertility felt like a sign that God had abandoned her. Her infertility felt like a sign that God had abandoned her, had deserted her. What are those things in your life? I think we all have those moments where life gets really hard, and we just think, God, are you there? Are you with me? Have you deserted me altogether? I mean, we've probably all had those overwhelming moments where it feels like we're carrying the burden of life and no one's helping us. For some of you, it may actually be infertility. We know a lot of couples struggle to have children and it becomes a heavy weight that they bear. Maybe you've dealt with it in the past. Maybe you're dealing with it right now. But maybe there's something else going on in your life that is a heavy burden that you're carrying. Maybe you were carrying it a few days or months ago. Maybe you'll be carrying it starting tomorrow. But we all bump up against hard things. And if that's where you find yourself, take heart. The scriptures, God's Bible, is full of stories of people wrestling with hard things. They wrestle with hard things and they try to understand what does it mean to trust in a good and loving God while also sitting in the midst of the tension of something hard. And the temptation then and the temptation now is just to like get through it. Let's bury our heads. Let's work harder. Let's get past it. Let's ignore it. Let's fix it. Or if you're like me, you have a distraction device where you can just ignore the suffering in your life and scroll and scroll endlessly, right? But here's the thing. What if while you're going through something hard, God desires to do something in your life? I'm not saying that God's causing the hard thing. What I'm saying is even if you are going through something difficult, maybe God desires to form something in you, and sitting in the midst of that tension is exactly what you need to do. So take a lesson from Hannah, and don't be so quick to get through it. In fact, we're told Hannah sits in that struggle for a long, long, long time. Let's pick back up the text in verse 3. Each year, Elkanah 
would travel to Shiloh with his whole family, so both wives, their kids, everybody, to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at the time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. So they went to Shiloh because when God's people moved into the promised land after their Egyptian slavery, they, they had a traveling a traveling temple called a tabernacle, and it rested at Shiloh. So Shiloh at this time was like the center of Israelite worship. So they would go there every year on a pilgrimage. Verse 4, on the days that Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to Peninnah and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would only give her one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. Verse 6, so Peninnah, Elkanah's other wife, would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year it was the same. Peninnah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. We read that story and Hannah's pain is palpable. You can feel it. You can sense it. Sometimes when you're going through hard things, you run into people who make it worse. Don't you? Like you might not have people that directly taunt you about the hard thing you're going through, but you just run into people that make it worse, often through the game of comparison. So I sometimes when I'm having a hard time, I take out my distraction device and a couple of years ago, I was having a hard day, tough day. I can't remember what was going on, but it was, it was a rotten day. And I know you think pastors never have bad days, but it happens, right? It happens. So I was having a bad day. I pull up my phone. I click on this app called Instagram. The first thing that pops up, the first thing I see, one of my friends, who's a pastor in another part of the country, was meeting the Pope that day. I'm sitting in my tiny office with the town and having a terrible day. He's sitting there smiling, meeting the Pope. Friends, we cannot compare the suffering we're going through to the lives of others. We cannot play the comparison game when it comes to suffering. So Peninnah was taunting Hannah, but she had other people in her story as well. Pick back up in verse 8. Why are you crying, Hannah? Why are you sad? Elkanah would ask. That's her husband. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than ten sons? I'm just going to apologize on behalf of all men in this moment. I, I read like ten translations of this text. I thought surely that's not what he said. My advice is, next time, Elkanah should just sit this one out, right? Like, just <laughs> take a beat. Like, sometimes when you're suffering, you meet people who try to make it better. They try to help, and they just make it worse, right? People are trying to be helpful, but they don't actually know how to help you, and that's okay. Sometimes you don't need to listen to their advice. But Elkanah 
thought that why Hannah was upset was because she had no heir to provide for her. So in ancient times, the husbands were often way older than the wives, and the husbands would pass, and the sons would take care of the, of the, of the moms. And so Elkanah thought she was upset because she had no one to provide for her. But that's not why Hannah was sad. Hannah was sad because she felt left out. She felt like she was less than a human, less than a woman, She felt like a created human who had been abandoned and deserted by a creator God. And so Elkanah's advice, Elkanah's insight wasn't sufficient. So you don't have to take everyone's advice when you're going through hard things. There's one other person in the story. Verse 9. Once, after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at the customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. So Eli sitting there by the door. Hannah goes in to pray. Verse 10. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime, and as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. It's what's known in Scripture as a Nazarite vow. Verse 12. But as she was praying to the Lord, Eli the priest watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk? He demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged. And I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. She said, I'm sad. And I was bringing it before God. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. So if you've ever gone through something hard and talked to a judgmental religious person, Hannah knows what you're experiencing. Isn't it ironic that Eli the priest was the one who wasn't in touch with what God was actually doing in this situation? But sometimes as you're going through hard things, you'll bump up against people who don't understand it. They don't understand you. And they want you to look a certain way, and they can't figure out why you don't look that way. But when you're going through hard things, you don't have to look like everyone expects you to look. You see, all three of these people, Eli the priest, Peninnah, Elkanah, her husband, they're all trying to convince Hannah that until she gets out of the hard thing she's going through, that she's less than a human, that she's not worth anything, that she's broken. They're trying to convince her that until she gets on the other side of suffering, that she doesn't have value. But let's take a lesson from Hannah here. Go to the Lord, not just to people. Go to God, don't just listen to other people. And sit in the tension, sit in the hard thing. It's not easy, but sit in it for as long as it takes. Do not listen to people who try to convince you that because you're going through something hard, that something's wrong with you. The text picks back up in verse 17. And after sitting through something hard and trusting 
in God and not just in the voices of people, something amazing happens. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. And then she went back and began to eat, and she was no longer sad. Hannah was no longer sad. Remember I told you earlier in the text that for Hannah, her infertility felt like a sign that God had deserted her. So this is a critical moment in the text because here's where that question is answered. So an ancient Israelite like Hannah believed that the priest spoke for God to God's people. And so if a priest is saying, God has heard your prayers, Hannah is no longer sad because a priest has confirmed God hears her. Isn't this funny? That's the answer to this. That's the answer to what she's struggling with. That in her sadness and her brokenness and her deepest longings, what Hannah wanted to know is that she wasn't alone. That she hadn't been deserted. We need to know that God hears us. And he knows us. And he loves us. At the end of the day, we'll all go through hard things. And while we're going through hard things, we can't just run away from them. But we need to know that we are noticed and we are seen and we are heard by someone who cares deeply for us. Hannah was no longer sad because God heard her. Now, let me fast forward in the story just a bit. So if you keep reading, Hannah goes home, she gets pregnant, she has a son, she names him Samuel, the book is named after. He becomes a leader of the nation of Israel. When Samuel is old enough, Hannah fulfills her promise and she takes Samuel back to the temple. And in verse 27, she says, I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he has granted my request. Now I'm giving him to the Lord and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship the Lord there. And they left Samuel with Eli the priest to be raised in the temple. When I read this, I thought, what? You've wanted a child your whole life, and then you just hand him over? Why? On some level, we have to understand that for Hannah, her deepest longing wasn't just to have a child. It was to know that God had not left her, that God had not deserted her. What we learn from Hannah's life is that when we pray, we're not praying to get what we want. But we're praying so that we can trust that God hears us in the midst of our deepest desires and our needs and our suffering. That prayer is not about convincing God to give us what we want. But it's about praying to remind ourselves over and over and over and over and over that God hears us. When we pray, we're reminded that God has not abandoned us. That God hears us. That even when life doesn't turn out how we expected, that even when we're going through hard things and we can't see the future, that we don't carry the burden alone, and that we don't carry it in silence, and that we don't carry it and solve the problems ourselves, but we do it with a God who hears us. One of the earliest Christians, Peter, writes this, cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Over a thousand years later, 
over a thousand years after this story we're reading here today, Hannah's descendants, the Israelite people, had been sitting under hundreds of years of silence from God. And they felt just like Hannah feels in our text today. They feel abandoned. And so God steps into Hannah's story and provides a son. And then God also, a thousand plus years later, steps into Israel's story and provides a son. Through a woman named Mary, and that son's name is Jesus. So in our text today, if you keep going, the very next thing that happens is Hannah burst into praise and song. It's known in the text as Hannah's song. And then when Jesus is born, where Jesus' birth is announced, Mary bursts into song. We traditionally call it the Magnificat. Next week, we'll start the season of Advent where we start making our way, journeying towards Christmas. And we often use the song called the Magnificat to sing and to teach from in the season of Advent as we anticipate the coming of Jesus. And so Hannah's song, this story, is the backstory to the song that Mary will sing about the birth of Jesus. So in some way, what we're getting today is a signal that how God acts towards Hannah is how God ultimately desires to act towards the world in Jesus. That one woman's struggle becomes a picture of what God does for each and every one of us. The gospel writer Matthew, when talking about Jesus' birth, calls him Emmanuel. Emmanuel is an Old Testament nickname that means God with us. What he's saying is that Jesus is God coming to the world to say, I have not abandoned you. So in his death and his resurrection, Jesus is for us the God who hears us and moves towards us even in the midst of our brokenness. Because just like Hannah, you and I all carry the brokenness, the burdens, the grief, the suffering of the flesh. Hannah had been completely scorned, left out of society. Everyone in her story was reinforcing that something was wrong with her. Something was wrong with Hannah, but God. But God saw her differently. God did not see Hannah as a problem to be fixed. He didn't have to fix her problem and then listen to her. He just moved towards her. He heard her. He loved her. He affirmed, you are not alone in this. And this is what God does over and over and over in history. He comes to broken needy, suffering humans like you and like me to show that no one is capable of fixing themselves and no one is beyond his love and his redemption. So when you're going through hard things, it doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It may be a sign that something's wrong with the world we live in. Sometimes the brokenness we're sitting in is just a reminder that we live in a world deeply in need of a God who hears and a God who knows and a God who loves. So whatever you're carrying, whatever you have carried, whatever you might carry tomorrow, 
Know that God hears you. God hears you.